Dalton takes a shotgun snap. Quick throw, caught by Green. It is a touchdown! Adriel Jeremiah Green. Hello and welcome to episode 76 of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast. I mean, I want to say that we're in lockdown, but that might be quite inappropriate for the times. Um, uh, welcome back. We are broadcasting through all the madness and trying to cheer you up as, as much as we possibly can. Uh, I know last week didn't quite work out. And uh, I'm very pleased to say that uh, he should be back with me this week is Nathan Palmer. Nathan, are you there? I am there indeed, Paul. How are you doing, my son? Yes, not too bad. Not too bad. Well, yeah, and all right. Just just checking before we get underway here that the record button has been pressed and there's no issues with the microphone after last week's catastrophe, shall we say? Oh, well, yeah. There, just to fill, uh, well, listeners in, uh, we're recording and it was a diamond episode, wasn't it? It was brilliant. It was absolutely gold. I think, I think what happened is, I think especially last week, I outshone you in the podcast and I think you listened <laughs> back to it. And you said, I can't be having him out showing me on this podcast. And you just thought, I'm going to clear the evidence and do it myself. Yeah. That's that's the vibe that I was getting. Well, the record button was pressed. And then when I got upstairs, when you left to go home um, or, um, or to your members club that you normally go to after recording the podcast, <laughs> <laughs> um, I came up to edit it and uh, nothing had recorded. It was that kind of nightmare stomach dropping moment when... Uh, when that kind of thing happens but frankly uh we sort of well i just sort of rescued it just about but uh yes apologies nathan apologies. Do, do you know what's funny as well with that is i literally after i left you it was pouring with rain and i walked yeah. home in the pouring rain i got soaked <laughs> and then literally as i was walking into my flat at the end of the half an hour walk of me just completely drenched i looked at my phone and it just said Mate, you won't believe it. It hasn't recorded. I was literally, I was about flat as a pancake yeah, after that. Yeah. But well, alas, we we go on, son, don't we? We do. We we go on, and you might have gathered we're not both together in the sewing today. In the spirit of social distancing, frankly, I've waited years for this, but uh, it's taken <laughs> the current circumstance for this to happen. Nathan is basically this the 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 house that the sewing room is in is full of colds and. I have had sinusitis for a couple of weeks. It just won't shift. So um thought it might be better if we just recorded via the, the means of modern technology. How are you finding it, Nathan? I'm a bit disappointed that you didn't put on a little webcam show for me. Well, you know, let's see how this goes, son. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> if we get a few, few well, Budweiser's down, but you never know. Exactly. Um, well, it is episode 76, and as I teased last week, um, our special guest this week is Hugh Jackson. And uh, yes, the Hugh Jackson is pretty big, isn't it, Nathan? Happy with that? Absolutely. I, I'm definitely one of our top five guests. I mean, you know, a real whatever you think of um, his stint at the uh, the Browns. He was a fantastic play caller for the Bengals. Um, a lot of history with the team. Um, but yeah, a fantastic get for us as a podcast. And I think everyone will really enjoy the interview. Yeah, absolutely. And he does uh, say some really interesting things uh, in that interview. And that's going to come up in about 15, 20 minutes or so. We do have some um, bits and bobs from you guys, as per usual. Uh, there's some weird interference that I'm trying to battle with at the moment, but uh, we should be okay. Um, yeah, um, but it's the start of free agency, and despite everything that's happening in the world, we're trying not to mention the C word on this podcast. Um, or the C not the usual C word either. Not the usual C word either, um, but certainly not the uh, the CV word, shall we say. Um, yeah. You know, it, it is mad times, and uh, I've got to say straight off the bat, uh, just following the Prime Minister's uh, recommendation today, we have called off, cancelled our draft weekend meet-up in Sheffield uh, in April. That's really the only thing that we could do. I mean, it was on the cards anyway, but uh, certainly after what the Prime Minister said uh, this afternoon, um, we there's no choice. There's absolutely no choice. We are not putting anybody... Uh, I was going to say in danger, but that might not, that might be too much of a. I don't know, is it? I don't know. Uh, we we always put you know we have to put the health and uh, safety of anyone who is planning to come um, first and foremost, and um, it was a bit of a no-brainer, really. So apologies, but I tell you what, uh, it's guaranteed that when all this blows over, there's going to be some 
big fat Bengals UK party happening somewhere and you're all invited so um, um, however the league continues and the NFL in its wisdom decided not to delay the start of the new football year uh, legal tampering has begun a number of trades has happened there's been some Bengals news we're um, expecting well hopefully some more in the next day or so uh, Nathan what's caught your eye well we've got to start with um, the franchise tag being offered to AJ Green I think the deal is um, in the region of about 17 million dollars which is quite a fancy payday for AJ Green regardless of I know he wanted that longer term deal but I certainly think for him that you know he said he'll play under that he said he'll turn up to training camp or at least most of training camp um, but may not be part of off-season activities but I think I think you know we, we talked a lot about AJ Green in the off season and you know the back end of last season and I think overall I think all Bengals fans will be pretty happy with that I think you know AJ you want to keep him in Cincinnati he's a fantastic tool for Joe Burrow um, you look at the weapons that if Burrow does come in he'll have AJ one side Tyler Boyd the other Joe Mixon coming out the backfield you know if, if everyone's healthy it does look like a pretty dynamic force and I think. You know, it's it's a fair whack of money, um, but I, I think all of us, uh, myself included, are happy to have AJ back. Yes, uh, whether it be for this year or a long term, we shall see because they've got until July to sort out a long term deal, haven't they? So, um, yes, yeah. What else? Uh, well, nothing much else apart from Cordy Glenn being released. Uh, apparently, they were shopping him, but no one uh, decided to pick him up. Which I I, I don't know bit of a shame really would have been nice to get something for Cordy wouldn't it yeah I mean I think the thing as well with Cordy Glenn I mean we paid him a decent whack of money the last two years I think you know you have to look back to um, the draft a couple of drafts ago where the Bengals moved back from 12th um, to 21st to acquire Cordy Glenn um, and I think the Bills used that to trade up in the end for Josh Allen but for us you know moving back we took Billy Price we missed out on players like Frank Ragnow um, there's a couple of other uh, Pro Bowl players you know in that sort of 12 to 21 range that you know went off the board before we went and I think that's the only thing you've got to look back on when you remember the Cordy Glenn thing you know he played when he did play he was a fairly solid starter nothing spectacular but you know was quite good on an otherwise depleted line I think both of us said that when he came back at the end of last season he did make um quite a big difference so it's a shame it hasn't worked out you know i'm not sure what's going on at cordy glenn's end or really what happened with the internal dispute but you know ends up you know not looking like a great deal for the bengals in the end no it's one of those deals that you can kind of understand them going for as you say because he'd had a relatively successful career and yet there were still red red lights you know there were red warning signs uh, about Cordy Glenn and his commitment and all the rest of it and we don't know what's happened behind closed doors um, but everything that you hear that he's, he's quite a, a little bit of a tricky customer uh, but again we don't know for sure yeah it's a shame that we didn't get something for him but there you go it uh, opens up a bit of cap room I guess uh, other teams have been uh, active today the Dolphins have uh uh, signed, are they traded or signed Eric Flowers, the tackle from um, Washington, which is getting uh, widespread ridicule, 10 million a year. David, you've seen the old David Johnson for David Johnson, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just coming to that. David Johnson has been traded to uh, the Texans, and uh, DeAndre Hopkins, of all people, has been. Uh, traded back to the Cardinals and I'm sure there's sort see, of bit, other bits and pieces going on there see why, why are we not on the blow there son why don't we say you know what AJ love you but we're not going to pay you that money and what we do is we send him Gio Bernard mm. yeah and a Texans. second round pick yeah. yeah and we have Hopkins it's not a bad shout you know but you know I don't know already Bengals Twitter is erupting into kind of you know why can't we do this kind of, I mean it's only like literally I don't know two or three hours after uh, free agency kind of opened or at least legal tampering, tampering opened and people are going mad um, Nick Kwiatkowski who uh, has been touted by many as a possible target for the Bengals aside for the Raiders the linebacker from um, Chicago um, Chicago themselves are reportedly interested in Nick Foles which is interesting, interesting. because uh, a lot of people thought that Dalton might be a good fit for the Bears. 
Um, what else have we got? Uh, Austin Hooper has been made the highest paid tight end in the league, which is frankly ridiculous, by you-know-who, the Cleveland Browns. God bless them. They always try and win Man, the off-season, don't they? Um, I think a really good deal, actually. Unfortunately for us, the Ravens have got Calais Campbell, who is still a terrific player. They've they've got him. Uh, it was a was it a trade? Yes, it was. Fifth round pick, yeah, and I think it oh, was yeah, yeah. for him. Um, and like you said, I mean, he's such a good player, Campbell. I mean, he's not necessarily the bit, you know, very much more of a run stopper necessarily than an actual pass rusher. But I think you know, Baltimore are good at getting those sort of. Yeah, they are a very good team in terms of picking up impactful free agents. So, yeah. you know, Joe Burrow is going to be, um, you know, when Mixon are going to be watching over their shoulders next year. Yeah, the interesting thing in all this uh, is um, uh, Devonta Freeman has, has been let go by the Falcons as well. And you kind of think, and you put in David Johnson into that, and you think, these guys are really good players. What are they doing? you know getting rid of these guys and the simple fact of the matter is they're coming to the end of quite lucrative deals and they want to offload them for financial reasons so what that means for Mixon being extended I have no idea but it just shows you that some teams aren't willing to pay running backs because yeah you know, you know get, they, they're happy to get them in the draft and I know keeping Joe is an emotional decision and we all probably want it in terms of the talent and, and all that kind of stuff, but you do have to. Teams do have to balance the books. You look at the Steelers who uh, tagged Bud Dupree today again, and even though he's a good player, Bud Dupree, played, good Dupree, <laughs> Bud Dupree. Um, you know they they they've had to kind of cut a load of players to balance the books. So it's kind of fascinating. Teams out there are willing to make uh, ruthless decisions, Nathan, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, you look around the league, and I mean, people, it's, it's you feel like nothing's really like you know, it barely starts, and then this this type of year, it's just an explosion of deals and shocks. I mean, I don't think anyone was thinking DeAndre Hopkins um, was going to get traded by any means. But one deal that really stands out to me that I think will backfire awfully is Ryan Tannehill re-signing um, with the Titans. Right, I just okay, think that's interesting. That, I think, you know, the Titans did extremely well last year. They're very, very well uh, coached by Mike Vrabel. Obviously, Derek Henry was just an absolute man possessed. And he's been tagged, hasn't he? Yeah, and he and he's such a fantastic player, really helped them along. Tannehill played really, really well. He, he did have a good spurt, but I'm always reluctant to be giving quarterbacks deals based off like half a season or less than half a season's worth of production. I mean, you only have to look at Nick Foles. You know, he got that deal in Jacksonville, really didn't work out for him. Um, there's been other situations in the past where, you know, players have had sort of good spurts and, you know, teams have gone all in on them. Um, you know, the Eagles and Kevin Kolb and people like that that, you know, had good spurts but just could never get it going and Tannehill you know always been a sort of average starter I think to be giving him that sort of money and you know four year deal I think you know that might come back to haunt the Titans mm. when was the last time you had a good spurt Nathan <laughs> I had a good spurt on last week's podcast did you <laughs> yes yeah, shame I didn't record it <laughs> uh, other news I mean news is just fine isn't it? this is uh, futile because things have changed so quickly uh, Hayden Hurst has been dealt from the Ravens to the Falcons. Um, Joe Tooney has been franchise tagged by the uh, the Patriots. And the whole Dalton thing is interesting, isn't it? What if no one comes in for him? What if, once again, the Bengals have overvalued a player? And uh, It's not just that. I think they've lost, perhaps, leverage with Dalton because they really should have traded him last year when they benched him. And yeah. now, now teams know that they, you know, it's the end for for Andy in Cincinnati, and he's only got another year on his contract. So teams are just why waste a draft pick when you can just wait? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, and the Bengals have got not really much choice but to um, but to let, like release him, have they? Because they're not going to sit and pay him that much money to um, no, warm right. So he's he's going to be released and. Which is exactly what other teams want, really. I mean, I think they've lost a bit of leverage to, on that one, perhaps. But uh, we'll soon see. I saw someone tweeting, some official media person tweeting, that uh, uh, today's wide receiver news is not over. 
which hof- hopefully doesn't mean anything to do with AJ Green. Uh, but it could well be to do with Stefan Diggs, who's just tweeted out, it's time for new beginnings. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be... It's a kind of a, it's actually one of my favourite years, the opening, because the last couple of years has gone crazy, hasn't it? The first couple of days of free agency. Well, it's, it's also a fantastic distra- distraction to... Um, the current events and I really really hope the Bengals you know uh, it, it's going to be very very exciting having the first overall pick in the draft and I think if the Bengals could make um, a really exciting move I think it would really be much needed for the fan base yeah absolutely and um, again Bengals uh, just have got to be patient you know people are still out there good play I mean apparently Derek Wolf is uh, is going to be in town for uh, a visit at some point well maybe not in town, but virtually in town. Um, Bengals love a visit, don't they? They do they love, love a visit. They love, they love a visit. They're one of those, they, they have to be wooed, don't they? They're not like yeah. a one-night stand, sort of bring them in, go all in on it. They like a few dates, the Bengals, don't they? Yeah, they like to be sure before they commit. Um, yeah, they're not They're not giving it out on the first date. It's very much a sort of like, you know, wine and dine them, like yeah. see them a couple of times, like know what you're getting. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. You're kind of your approach a little bit, Nathan. I oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Well, we'll see. We will see. Um, what else can we tell you? What else do you want to talk about, Nathan? Um, what, what are you, all the players out there, Sano? You asked me last week um, that didn't get recorded some of the players that I would uh, be interested in free agency. That list has obviously changed a bit now with some of the players that have been franchise tagged and moved yeah. around. Are there any players in particular you're looking at that will be sort of real good fits for the team? It's a good question. Um I don't know. Um, I still think because they can either play this two ways. Actually, they can they can load up on the offensive line uh, and draft. You know, after Burrow, go heavy on defense in the draft, or they could load up on defense and concentrate on the offense uh, in the draft. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. you know, if they sign Derek Wolf, I mean, J- Javon Hargraves is out there. He's a fantastic player. I know Joe Goodbury's been singing his praises today. And, He's right. He's a fantastic player for the Steelers. Would you be happy taking a Steelers player, son? hundred percent. Yeah, why not? You know, why not? Um, Andrew Whitworth. No, I think I did see a report that the I'm sort of against signing Whit again. Uh, I can see the reasoning behind it, uh, but I think that ship has kind of sailed really, and he did regress a little bit. And he, I don't know. He's a great player and a great guy, and I wouldn't be against it, but. Yeah. You know, I think for this team to move forward, I think it might be a bit of a, a backwards step, maybe. But then again, people probably screaming me out there going, well, he's he's still better than anyone on that offensive line right now. And I can't really argue against that, really. But, um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's going to be interesting. I still think... Um, I still don't think we're going to hit offensive line as heavy as a lot of people want or think that we are. Uh, I think they were quite pleased with the development uh, and the improvement last year that's just me guessing from what has been said in interviews and all the rest of it um i mean there's no doubt that we need to kind of sort out our linebacker um it'd be interesting to see what they do with uh uh andrew billings and whether they're going to get another nose tackle or not hence the Derek wolf connection uh you know they've kind of signed um Josh Tupu as a um, restricted free agent, I believe, day, along with Seathan Carter, uh, Alex Redmond, and uh, Brandon Wilson, of course. Um, all 40 players this year, um, so they're all restricted free agents. Uh, but the interesting thing, I think, is um, something that Ben Baby said. Anything the Bengals want to do in free agency should include shedding quarterback Andy Dalton's contract after they tagged wide receiver AJ Green and tendered four restricted free agents Cincinnati has around 3.8 million in salary cap wiggle room as the negotiating period opens it is still holding space for draft salaries future injury costs dead money etc for the team to get up to 20 million as it anticipates it would likely need to shed Dalton's expiring contract worth 17.7 million in cap space so at this moment in time they haven't actually got that much wiggle room so they're going to have to do some cutting and pruning and I'm afraid it does mean that Andy's going to go I think um, it kind of 
it kind of has to really uh, if that's going to save 17 odd million and, and bump them up to 20 million on, on the cap then they've got to do it yes i absolutely agree i mean the other thing i guess it's worth talking about you know thinking about the salary cap and a lot of you know teams making some moves at the moment i mean I really want to get Darquez Dinar back in terms of you know our current free agents just to sort of get that out there. I think he's a really good player. I think there's been a lot of rumours that we won't get him back, um, which I think is a real shame. I think getting him back last year for about five million was a really smart move. But you know, looking at what Ben Baby said and looking at our current roster, do you think there's any potential players that could be you know surprise cuts or surprise trades to save a bit of money on the cap i mean an example you know i'm not sure about how the whole dead money thing works but someone like you know see joe's armor we've talked about in the past a good player but you know we were a top 10 player in terms of his salary yeah. cap hit for a rotational tight end you know is there anyone there that you think that on the current roster you could see, uh, see potentially you know moving on um yeah dre um Geo possibly. Yeah, I was going to say Geo, and you know, I, I love the guy. I think, and he, I, I do actually think he's a very good player and kind of underused. Well, I, I know that we both do, but you can't be paying him that amount of money for the production that he's currently yeah. outputting. You know what I mean? Um, that's not necessarily his fault at all. In fact, it isn't. You know, he's just not being used as much. And again, that contract that he was he signed this time last year it seems a bit kind of why? why? A bit Preston yeah. Brownish almost, um, even though he's a far better player than Preston Brown, obviously in his position. So I think Geo and Fortune, especially and also if you look at the depth there, apparently Rodney Anderson is doing really really well in rehab. Uh, Travion Williams is the same sort of player as, although untested as Geo. I do think Geo is a, is a prime candidate, you know, and uh, no one would 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 uh, I, I think no one would begrudge him. A, a a bigger role uh, in a, in another team. To be honest with you, I think he's he's had a good stretch in Cincinnati. I still think he's got a lot to offer. He's a good player, good guy, but you know, uh, I, I do think he is a a prime candidate, really. So, so I'm just looking at the cap hits here, and um, you know, as as to your point earlier about um, you know Drake Kirkpatrick, and you know, could he be a cap casualty? He's at the moment the fourth highest played player against the cap going into next year at $11 million. So, you know, Dre's a good player. Um, he's a fairly, you know, strong corner. But I think at $11 million, I really wouldn't be surprised if the team moved on from that contract. Well, much to find out, much to discover, much uh, fun to be had, I think. Uh, but at the start of the show, I promised our special guest this week and we have a whopper. And now we are joined by, well, he's, he's done more or less everything at the, the Bengals from uh, 2004 onwards. He's been wide receivers coach, uh, secondary assistant and special teams coach, running backs coach, offensive coordinator, special assistant to the head coach. Uh, we're talking, of course, the brilliant Hugh Jackson. Hugh, welcome to Cincinnati. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Um, before we get on to the Bengals, Hugh, um, I would like to take you back to 1991. Now, I didn't know this, but I, I sort of checked up on you. You were running backs coach for the London Monarchs uh, in that year, weren't you? Yes, I was. I was the running back coach and special teams coordinator. And how long did you spend in London? And I guess I, I guess this is a British... Uh, podcast so i need to ask you about that experience how was it for you i mean you heard uh that was quite a big step for you wasn't it it must have been yes it was i mean i never had lived you know outside of the uh, u.s so uh to be there for three months three and a half months uh, that we were there living in bushy and playing in wembley stadium it was really a, a great experience I mean, what could you remember from those days? I mean, did you did you have hair then? Did you kind of what would you, what was the whole <laughs> what was the whole thing like? For you? Yeah, no, I I had a little hair, but okay. what I remember more than anything, just just the fans who uh, really 
uh, bought into American football because obviously when you said football in in Europe, they yeah. thought it was soccer. Yeah, sure. So sure. it was it was great to see the fans really come out and support the teams. Uh, it was another style of living for myself and. Uh, living in bushy and trying to learn how to eat and where to eat uh, so that you felt comfortable. And then just the dreary days. I do remember some dreary days there, but those days turned into sunshine, winning the World Bowl. So it was a great time. Wow. And, and uh, we've got a lot to talk about, but I'm intrigued. Uh, what was your go-to food uh, when you came over here? Were you, were you digging into fish and chips or did you just kind of keep it real and stick to what you knew? <laughs> No, it became pizza. It really became pizza, but at that time, they had so many different toppings that were already on the pizza, like green beans and corn, and so we finally found a place there that we could talk to that they would eliminate some of those things and bring us kind of pizza as we knew it in the U.S. Right, 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 okay. Um, So you mentioned how the fans took to the game and how bought into the whole uh, NFL Europe experience. Were you were you not surprised then, kind of, what's that, 20, 30 years later uh, when we're getting the international games? And, of course, I think, yes, you, did you come over in 2016? No, you were just, uh, I think you just left, hadn't you, the Bengals I, to go to yeah, the Yeah, I came over in 2017. Ah, I right. came over in 2017 with the Cleveland team. Yeah. And uh, it was different. It was a great experience. I mean, I... I imagine that pro football would kind of take off in Europe just because of the time that our, you know, the world league was in Europe, you know? So I wasn't surprised at the fans, um, you know, excitement about, um, you know, seeing American football. Sure. Sure. Well, um, let, let's fast forward, um, to the present day, or at least let's fast forward to the kind of mid two thousands. Cause that's when, uh, you joined the Bengals from the Redskins, um, and it was an exciting time to be a Bengals fan because Marvin was building something. You had joined. We had the likes of Chad Johnson and and Rudy Johnson and Carson Palmer and all these guys. It must have been a fun time to be coaching those players, right? Oh, it was. There's no no question about that. You know, my first experience, as you mentioned, was at the Washington Redskins. But I think uh, where my whistle really got uh, wet in the National Football League is when I went to Cincinnati because it was a, at the time, it was an organization that hadn't won a lot. Mm. But there was a lot of good players, and Marvin had did a lot of good things, and I thought ownership was really doing everything they could to put the team in position to win, and we had uh, an opportunity to win a lot of games. That's interesting that you talk about ownership. I'm going to ask you a question about that in a little while. But, let, let's, I mean, you. every time you see a player, uh, you know, talk about you from that time, they absolutely adore you. And seeing what we've seen on Hard Knocks and all the rest of it, you come over as such a, a good guy and someone, maybe like a player's coach, you know, you understand players. How did you working with the likes of uh, certainly that first time around Chad and TJ um, you got and Carson you got really close to these guys what is your what was your coaching style how do you bring out the best in those sort of players I think um, being very honest and, and and forthcoming about everything I mean I think players really do crave discipline and direction and if they see the results that come from that, they want it even more. So uh, I know I have a label of being somewhat a player's coach, but I would hope that what I am as a coach and that people would see that I think if you build the right foundation, give the players the right direction and hold them to a high standard, then good things happen. Sure, sure. And that wasn't me damning you with faint praise, by the way, because you can be a player's coach and the players love you, but also you know, lay it, lay it, you know, put a rocket up there behinds when, when they need it, you know. Um, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And I guess <laughs> there were some, shall we say, personalities on that team. Uh, I'm just going to mention some names and I want you to tell me what they're really like as characters, okay? Um, Chad mm-hmm. Johnson. Chad, tell us about Chad. Well, Chad is like uh, a long-lost son to me. I'm still in contact with him now. 
Mm-hmm. Um, he is um, was a tremendous player, a tremendous person. Uh, what a showman he was back in that day because he came up with all the dances and all the things he did. But that's what made him Chad. I uh, people, I think sometimes people don't understand how good he was. Mm. And um, he was definitely one of the top players in the league when I coached him. How about his, uh, the guy on the opposite side at wide receiver, uh, TJ Hushmanzada? <laughs> TJ, same way. I'm still in contact with TJ. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's doing a great job working for, um, um, you know, he does, he's on TV now. Mm-hmm. And so it's exciting to see him uh, doing that kind of work and also helping young players transition into the National Football League. But he was fun to coach, he was fiery. He was the guy that when he got upset, you had to give him about 10 seconds to let him uh, regroup, you know, because that was just TJ. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you learn all the different personalities on how to deal with these guys, and that was the best way to deal with TJ. But, boy, he was a really good player as well. And Carson Palmer, what, what can you tell us about Carson? What kind of guy was he? Well, I probably knew Carson more than I knew Chad and TJ at the time because I recruited and coached Carson in college at mm, USC. Yeah, USC. And yeah, then, yeah. Uh, yeah, and then having a chance to be with him uh, in Cincinnati, especially early in my career, was great. Uh, Carson was a tremendous competitor, obviously one of the better quarterbacks in the National Football League. There was not a more beautiful football than Carson mm. and um, he did some great things there and I hope he never got hurt uh, that one year when we thought we had a chance to go win at all but it, it just didn't turn out that way and I was fortunate to get him uh, to have a chance to coach him again and uh, he was the same guy there than he was when he was in Cincinnati so mm-hmm. he's had a tremendous career and uh, made a lot of money and done some good things and and I'm not surprised at that. So you know what I'm going to ask you next about Carson I wasn't going to ask you but I'm going to ask you what what did you make of his comments about the Bengals? Uh, well, let's let's see what he says. I never felt like the organization was really trying to win a Super Bowl. And I, from the inside, from being on the inside, how, and then being such a close friend to Carson, still am, I, I would imagine, how did you take those uh-huh. comments and what would you respond to those comments? Well, I think everybody has their own opinion, mm. you know, and when uh, the players are in it, um, you know, they want every opportunity to win, and I do get that. I mean, that's why you play the game, you know. The economic side of it uh, and what the organization has to deal with, I really didn't understand it back then at that time, you know. Um, and I can under I do get that there's a group of people that thought, you know, that, boy, the Bengals could have did more, and there's a group of people that thought, boy, the players could do more, right. you know. So um, I think... So there were some tremendous football teams that played for the Bengals. Why hasn't this organization won a uh, playoff game yet? Mm. Uh, I don't have that exact answer, but I know, um, you know, that there were some some years that we thought we were really poised to get it. Who essentially was the best team in our division, being Pittsburgh or yeah. Baltimore or something like that. And that's just mm. all the way, always the way it worked out. Because um, you came back to the Bengals after your stint in Oakland, and I mean you went to Atlanta and Baltimore as well. But after your stint as a head coach in Oakland, um, you came back to the Bengals, and again, you know, you almost kind of had a, another rebuilt team at your disposal, at your disposal. And then you had, you know, Andy Dalton and AJ Green, and you know, Geo and Geno Atkins, and all these guys. Um, again, that must have been a fun time, right? Oh, it was outstanding. You know, you just said it to come back and watch the cupboards not be bare, you know, right. to go back to the Cincinnati Bengals after leaving Oakland and going, okay, here's this guy named AJ Green that everybody says is better than Chad Ochocinco. You know, here's this young quarterback and Andy Dalton who everybody's comparing to uh, Carson Palmer because he had already won. Uh, quite a few games and and on and on and on the players that were there we drafted Giovanni Bernard so I was just in the environment and gosh we went to the playoffs five straight years in a row and I think people kind of don't give that achievement enough respect I, I don't think I'm not quite sure why but it, I don't think people give your achievements 
you and Marvin and the coaching staff and the players enough credit for what you did in that that five six year period. Yeah, sometimes you know, uh, and I think it, everybody wanted more because they saw so much uh, potential within the team. So I do get it. You know, having been in this space now. I know once you start winning like that, that becomes the expectation sure, that sure. you're going to win like that every year. And there's some years, I mean, I remember being in the playoffs and going to play Indianapolis, and we didn't have A.J. Green, Jermaine Gresham. We took um, we took a running back and put him at receiver. That was, you know, that to was try Rex. To put our you put Rex at wide receiver, didn't you? I remember. Ab- absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that was him. And so... We always, I mean, but I do understand, but I think when people look back now, they will see the things that Marvin Lewis and the staff accomplished. I mean, with arguably almost the same team that he had the year before. I mean, they're now having the first pick of the draft. So that's not to put anybody down. It's just when you change regimes, those things can happen. And obviously it's happened in Cincinnati. Sure, sure. Um, I... uh... It's very difficult to say kind of why Bengals teams that you worked on didn't quite get over that hump, which, uh, which is a phrase that I hate using, but because you've got to get to the dance to kind of be in with a shout for the big one. Um, do you have any, when you look back on that period, do you have any regrets or theories as to why? I mean, you mentioned the indie game where ravaged by injury, you know, the 2015 game, you know, Andy got injured before. You know, was it a case of bad luck, or do you have any? Specific, was it a culture thing? I don't know. I'm just thinking aloud here. What What are your theories from that time? No, I. I what I've learned, having been in this now, that uh, sometimes you know the talk that the Bengals hadn't won since uh, whatever that was. Hmm. That that does permeate the building. You know. Yeah. For, people say those feelings and thoughts are there when you get ready to play in the playoffs because the Bengals hadn't won and we had it we had so many opportunities to overcome that I know my last year in 2015 we're playing Pittsburgh and we think we got the game won and here comes fumble on their side of the field Mm. and we think this game is going to be over and it should have been over and they come back and win the game so I mean, you sometimes you feel like you're a little, you know, snake bit a little bit, but I don't believe that. I think what it is is that in those key moments, that's when the really good players got to really dig down to go get it done because that's the only way you're going to overcome that thought process that, that comes up in your head. And I think it's all in everybody's head more than it's just anything else. And I think they got to get through that as fast as they can. Um, now... You're still close with Marvin. You, you became lifelong friends with Marvin, right? And you're still close to the Brown family, I guess. Um, do you have any... So you've made lifelong friends from the your time at the Bengals and with the players, obviously, as well. You mentioned Chad earlier. Do you have any favourite moments that you look back with the most fondness from your time in Cincinnati? Oh, wow. There's so many. You know, when I... First of all, when I think of the Browns family, Mike Brown and Katie and Troy, just the opportunity that they gave me, you know, uh, PB, you know, those guys were really good to me and my family. And I'm very thankful for that. And then I think of all the players, all the great players that I had opportunity to coach, you know, all, you know, from TJ and Chad, even Chris Henry, um, Andrew Whitford, you know, Andy Dalton, there was so many really great players there coaching on defense and coaching Pac-Man Jones mm. and, and the rest of the group. So it was a lot of fun. And I, that was one of the, the better times in my career. And there was so many games. I mean, I, th- there's so many that I was so uh, proud of being a part of, but one of the biggest games we were playing Seattle. I never forget in 2015, when we were rolling pretty good. And they were really good, and it was a tremendous game, and we won. And so, I was excited about that to have the chance to start off eight and zero. You know, that year was was really good for us. Absolutely. Now, I've just got a couple of minutes left with you, Hugh. Um, I need to ask you about what's next for the Bengals. Really, as you say, a regime change, which you were part of, I guess, the outgoing regime, the new one that happens all the time in the NFL. Um, 
Where do you see this team now from an outsider's point of view? Um, you know a lot of the players still because you coach them. Um, Joe Burrow seems to be the consensus for the number one pick. Where do you see the Bengals uh, going in 2020? Well, I think they got a chance to uh, really improve. I mean, you just said it. They have the uh, first pick of the draft. Mm. Um, I think they will select Joe Burrow. I don't know that for sure. I'm not there. But I, if I'm them, I would. Mm-hmm. He's an Ohio player. He's the Heisman Trophy winner. He's going to immediately bring some excitement back into the organization and the football team. They have a core of good players there. Obviously, I think it's well documented that they need to improve the offensive line mm-hmm. because if you make that kind of commitment to a quarterback, then you got to do everything you can to help him become successful. So, uh, and that's one way to do it is get the offensive line better, get AJ Green back in the fold. Um, they have some other tremendous offensive players, and then it's a matter of getting some some better defensive players and get back to playing big-time Cincinnati Bengal uh, defense, mm. and you'll look up and they'll, they'll have a chance to compete. Mm, absolutely. And you like Burrow. What you've seen of Burrow, you like? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the guy won the Heisman Trophy because he was arguably the best player in the country this past year, and he has a lot of the um, uncoachable things on you know in his skill set that I think are so important to have as a quarterback. Sure, sure. Um, Hugh, we can't thank you enough for the time. It's a real treat to talk to you because you are still beloved by a lot of Bengals fans. And uh, thank, I mean, weird to say after the few years away from the from the club, but uh, what you did with them, you and Marvin, we can't thank you enough. It made an an exciting time to be a Bengals fan. So thank you for all the hard work. Now, before I let you go, you need to mention your foundation because you do an extraordinary job. Um, just tell us, it, it's to do with human trafficking, well, not to do with human trafficking, but kind of education and helping people in that horrible situation. Tell us what you do. Absolutely. We're really involved in that space. We're doing everything we can to help um, survivors of human trafficking get back into the mainstream and have an opportunity to have a better life. Uh, we've created a uh, residence in the uh, Salvation Army uh, in Cleveland, uh, where we house young ladies who have been victims of human trafficking, trying to help rehabilitate them and put them in a better uh, environment. And um, we're going to continue to press on this issue and try to do everything we can to stamp out human trafficking. Mm, What a fantastic thing. And just finally, Hugh, what's next for you? Uh, Are you looking to get back into coaching soon? What's... What's what's Hugh Jackson's life like at the moment, and what have you got up your sleeve? Oh, absolutely. I go back and coach yesterday if I could. <laughs> so just waiting for the right opportunity to come and to get back out there and, and prove, uh, you know, what you have, which is the ability to coach at a high level or to take a group of men and get them to play as well as they can play. So uh, I think that's what's next for me. And when that is, I'm sure it's sooner rather than later. So I'm excited about what, what's there in the future. Well, we wish you all the best, Hugh. Thank you so much for coming on and chatting with us. So thank you for the time. Thank you. so. Thank you as well. There we are. That was uh, Hugh Jackson. I hope you enjoyed that chat. I love talking to him. A very, very nice man indeed. And uh, contrary to a lot of people's opinion, uh, a decent coach as well, so I, I hope he's, I hope he, I hope he finds a job somewhere pretty soon because it sounds though, uh, well I think he deserves one. You don't get to to be a head coach without being a good coach, right? Um, you know, and uh, I think he deserves, if not another head coaching job, but certainly, you know, back on an NFL team because I do think he's got a lot to offer. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, like you said, uh, he, you know, he did it his one season at the Raiders. He took a um, team there. It was eight and eight, and obviously, you know, he struggled mightily in Cleveland. But then, who hasn't over the last decade? So, um, really, fair job to get um, to get him on the interview, son. And definitely some interesting points he raised there. Um, you know, about his various stints with the club. Yeah, and uh, I mean, he didn't. He, he sort of hedged his bets a little bit when he spoke about the whole Carson Palmer kind of did the Bengals do enough to win but I I kind of thought that he sounded as though 
you know the players had to take some have to take responsibility as well as as just having a go at the the club you know so absolutely yeah very very interesting indeed and of course the whole london monarchs connection which i did not know until no i was gonna say that was the tidbit from that interview i, I had no idea about that um yeah. also you're you you are a bit cheeky on that with his old uh what you saying he had hair back in the day son <laughs> i thought he was gonna slap you down after that well i'm glad he didn't that could have gone but trouble is that's this is the thing with these interviews right you kind of think you know these people and you kind of think you know anybody who listens to us a lot knows that our style is kind of mates down the pub sort of thing uh so you do almost uh not regress but kind of shift into that down the pub mindset even with people that you've never actually met before or spoken to before much more famous than you are um even though you've not met them before um, but I don't know. I just had a feeling that he was a nice guy, and we we had a bit of a chat beforehand. And you could tell that he was uh, a nice, nice chap, and he could take a joke. and uh, uh, And I thought he was great. It was really, really nice. Uh, and he does. I mean, I know you know. Foundation. Every every man, woman, his or her dog has a foundation um, these days. I think you're you're planning one, aren't you, Nathan? At some point, is it is in the uh, the works? So, yeah, yeah, I I'll thought so. Release yeah. in detail soon. If anybody, any listeners have any ideas what Nathan's foundation should be, do drop us a line at today underscore UK uh, or Bengals UK on Facebook. But yeah, seriously, Hugh's foundation is, I mean, human trafficking is an, an absolute heinous stain on on human society, I think. And he's done uh, or and doing a fantastic job. So if you want to check out Hugh's uh, foundation, maybe uh, tip in a few bob then uh, you can go to hewittjackson.org uh, and see what it's all about and again he's doing a fantastic job and we can't thank Hugh enough um, well said my son um, have you well, ever been called a heinous stain on humanity before? <laughs> no but I saw a heinous stain um, uh, a few hours ago but we won't go into that uh, just yet um, oh boy Creole <laughs> Uh, right, um, let's get to our question. I did, you know, because of Hugh's pizza comment, I decided to put it out there uh, and ask our uh, listeners what uh, their favourite pizza toppings were, what constitutes in pizza terms a heinous stain on pizza society, <laughs> and and what the general feeling was. It? And we've had an animated discussion about this in the pub before, so I was interested to see what our, what our listeners uh, thought about it. Just briefly, Nathan, what's your um, what's your pizza topping of choice? So I'm, I'm, me. I would go buffalo mozzarella, rocket, tomatoes, um, chilies, nice fresh uh, chilies on there, and a ton of black pepper. If I'm going, that's sort of like nice pizza, you know, sort of, you know, if you're eating out at a decent restaurant or anything else... If you're going Domino's, yeah. same sort of thing. Obviously, I don't think they do buffalo mozzarella, but it has to be stuffed crust. Stuffed crust, interesting. Okay. What about uh, yourself, my son? Well, well, because I'm half Italian, I am a bit of a pizza snob. I'm afraid to say. Um, so I look, I like that sort of thin crust, puffed up, you know, cooked in a proper, you know, wood-fired oven or whatever fired oven. Um, and I just like it simple. Like you say, I like tomato. Uh, mozzarella I like capers and I like anchovies give that to me all day every day in fact just pump it into my veins squish it up in a bullet and just put it intravenously into me all day every day it's my favourite move if, if, uh, if your sinusitis carries on son I might have to arrange that I <laughs> know please do yeah uh, right let's get to our readers because there's, there's football questions as well uh, you'll be relieved to know. Uh, Tom McDowell at Wagat Dub DD, a bar I used to go to, did a lovely duck and spring onion pizza with hoisin for the sauce. Duck and hoisin? That sounds like a bit of a Chinese sort of feel to uh, that pizza. Are you, are you you down with that, Nathan? Well, no, I'm not at all. That's a, <laughs> a bit of a, I'm not sure quite what to say about that. Um... Also, uh, Pip Dankel at Pippa Dankel 
says, uh, no, I've just made that up because I was going to suggest a pickled egg pizza just to wind you up. But uh, I don't. Let's be it, that. That that is not needed. I haven't okay. eaten dinner yet. I don't need reminders. <laughs> Shawnee at Shawnee one vegetarian here. I love a pineapple jalapeno and sweet corn pizza that often gets funky looks. Frankly, Sean, I'm not surprised. Um, I'm not feeling that at all. Yeah, I'm not feeling that. But uh, I'm, giving that, I'm giving that a three out of ten. Oh, are we going to grade these? Are we? Okay. Uh, Rich, remind me of the first one. The ingredients. It was Tom's Chinese themed one: duck, spring onion, and hoisin sauce. That's a one. <laughs> It's a one out of ten now. I think everyone would agree. Well, apart from Tom, he enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> I think he's, uh, just, he's putting himself through pain there. You reckon? It's not a mm. pleasurable eating experience. Yeah. Richard Dixon at Lord Rixendale. Solid handle. Lord R's Pizza Manifesto. The good, generally veg, like red onion, peppers and whatnot. The bad, those ones with an excess of different meats. Also, chicken on pizza is stupid. The best anchovies, just an amazing topping. The worst pineapple is for desserts, not pizza. A man after my own heart, I must say. The good lord, good lord, good lord. I think there's some fair points in there. Mm, we're going to get to the pineapple conundrum, which sounds like a 1970s uh, spy thriller. Um, Killian at Malloy underscore double zero uh, no college for the next few weeks and me re-watching the Rams game from Wembley this year looking back thinking it was definitely a game we could have maybe should have won as for pizzas any pizza with peppers or pineapples goes straight in the bin so I'm, I'm alright with peppers but yeah I'm, I'm with you on the pineapple one as for that Rams game I, I don't know I remember it being like really not you know quite one sided for three quarters and then you, you were asleep for most of the game, weren't you? <laughs> Honestly, I was. I was so knackered from the whole weekend's shenanigans. I was shenaniganed out. All my shenanigans had left my body. And you must have put down about 20 pints in about three days as well, I reckon. Who knows? Who knows? I wasn't counting by the end of it, but it was from Thursday night. You're still recovering now? Son. I am, yeah. Sinusitis. Why do you think I've got this sinusitis? Blimey, it's uh, my, you know. Anyway. Uh, yeah, I was. I just, I think it was like halfway through the third quarter. I was thinking, if I actually shut my eyes now, I would <laughs> genuinely be asleep. And uh, but thankfully, I didn't because it was a really cracking end to that game. Oh no, 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 it wasn't. Uh, no, I don't think they uh, deserved to to win that game at all. I or... thought I got battered from memory, but I, you yeah, know, I think I'm a bit like yourself, son. I was a bit worse for wear for the actual game. Yeah, I, I mean, there were some nice moments. Like I remember Mixon's TD and Auden Tate. Auden Tate's uh, amazing catch, and the fact that they played in uh, color rush was a was uh, was good. But I remember it to be, you know. Anyway, it's that's long gone. We're we're all about looking forward to 2020 now. Yeah, what's left of it? Um, Peter Dadswell at Dadders. I like a meaty one generally, but if I can get one with goat's cheese, sun-dried tomatoes, and balsamic glaze, then that's a definite yes. I'm that second one. I'm giving a six and a half out of ten. That's above average. That. Yeah, 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 I agree. I do like a bit of goat's cheese. I'm deep pan with meaty and thin crust with veggie. Also love a calzone. Now, he's eating everything, isn't he? I was going to say basically all the pizza. There's not. There's not. <laughs> just say, look, just I really like pizza, and I don't mind what topping uh, I have. Uh, I will eat it all. Um, well, I agree, Pete. It's a good thing to be. I think uh, Captain Obvious at Bang. It was Captain Hello Jeremy. All I Sorry. know. All I know is that pineapple does belong on pizza. You see, I think you should you should be demoted your uh, rank from captain to just regular soldier. Bengals, after that Bengals private. Their private obvious doesn't quite have the same ring, does it? Really? <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm not actively against pineapple oh, yeah. pizza. It's, it's, it's blasphemous. I, I, I feel like it's it's not right, but I think I don't know. I don't know. It, 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 gets, it gets a lot of hate, doesn't it? It does, and I don't. I mean, I like pineapple. Don't get me wrong, but not with tomato. I get it; it's that salty, sweet kind of thing. Mm. But uh, no, no. 
Uh, I've told you about my honey. We had this chat on the podcast before, and about the honey pizza that yes, I had, the yeah. sweet chili pizza. That was yeah. absolutely banging. That was some. Yeah, I need to try that. I think. Um, uh, not cancelled at Cincy Ambassador. Solid handle. I mean, that's a that's a very uh, put your cards on the table uh, handle. That is not cancelled. Um, all I know is that bacon on pizza is terrible, and also you shouldn't put an apple on a pizza either. I mean, I, I'm assuming you mean slices, not just a a whole apple for decoration. <laughs> a granny Smith's apple. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Um, I mean, putting apple on pizza wouldn't be my first uh, thought. It has to be said. So, uh, but wise words from Cincy Ambassador there. I think. Can't argue, really. Yeah, absolutely. First first time caller, he can call again. Uh, Duncan, uh, no, no, Duncan's coming up in a minute. Um, Jamie at Trequart Beaster. I had a belting garlic sausage pizza when I was in New York. Love that. Favourite toppings? Usually chicken tikka or dirty donner. Strangest, I once got a pizza on Valentine's Day from Nibbles in Sheffield and they put a strawberry on it. There's some, there's some very like very odd toppings being chucked out there. Chicken tikka, right? I don't mind that. But uh, what does he say? Sausage meat on it, garlic sausage. Not, garlic not sausage big... and dirty donna meat on oh, it. Oh no, 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 no. <laughs> That's, I'm not feeling that. That's a two out of ten. No, absolutely, yeah. What's all these Bengals fans coming up? Some pretty shocking. Like, what's happened to just the sort of you know the, the sort of normal pizza toppings here, Sunday? Like, some of this stuff has been brought out. I'm, I'm shocked and appalled. Absolutely, they're going to uh, up their pizza game, really. Um, yes. Uh, Duncan Newton, uh, slam dunk the funk. Solid handle. Favorite pizza is pepperoni. If the new season doesn't happen, does that mean the Bengals automatically get the number one pick in the 2021 draft? Um, I, well, the draft is happening. Uh, that was the news today but without any people there. So I'm sure they're going to televise it some way. But, uh, I mean, if they wanted to give us the number one pick for 2021, then that would be uh, marvellous. But, yes, it looks as though um, the draft is happening. Indeed. Uh, uh, right. Touchdown tips. Uh, touchdown tips. The best pizza I've ever had was at Epcot when I was uh, 10. Just a pepperoni but I think it was Chicago style, so a full layer of pepperoni underneath the cheese. My dad and I still remember it to this day. Mate, that's a really good point, right? Have you ever had Chicago deep dish pizza, son? No, it's like a pie. That's not a pizza, it's a pie. Oh, mate, it's delicious, though. Is it? it? After you've had it, you feel like you need to go for a lie down. Right. But I had it for the first time this year. It is fabulous. But they're massive, though. All you need is a slice, man. They're not, they're not necessarily that big. They're just so deep and yeah, thick. Yeah. It's that big, big, solid, like, cake-like crust. But the the, the, oh, the cheese and the tomato and some of the toppings, oh, it is good, mate. Honestly, I'm getting a little bit, a bit, a little bit flustered thinking uh, about it. You come, you come all over a bit queer, have you? Um, I am, yeah. And that's a good point. Food and uh, kind of memories do go together, don't they? Like a favourite, when, whenever you tasted your first amazing piece of food <laughs> you remember it for life though right yeah I, or I, not i don't know is that is that too a profound statement where you're going this i was hoping you said food <laughs> yeah um basically the last piece of chocolate i ate is probably the best uh the best food i've ever eaten i think because um, the thing is at the moment obviously with you know everything that's going on with um the medical things in the world yeah they say you've got to look out for the vulnerable son and like do you need me to bring any supplies around to you <laughs> that's very kind of you nathan but uh <laughs> i'm not quite in that kind of vulnerable stage that you cheeky okay Jesus. i just i didn't want to ask but no. you obviously if you need any supplies you just <laughs> let me know and we're, myself and some other bengals fans are happy to you know bring some stuff to you yeah that's very kind of you in my old people's home i'll give you the address <laughs> later on um and Adam also asked, do we honestly believe that the Bengals will be active in free agency? I I, I always think every year that they will, and I'm always let down, and I don't feel like this year will be any similar. We, any different, sorry. We shall see. Uh, Odat at DZE uh, Pizza. Best ever was an anchovy top pizza I had in Rome. Pizza should not have either pineapple or any type of chicken ever. 
Does banana and Nutella count as weird? Even though I wouldn't call uh, it pizza. Now, now then, I have had a banana and Nutella calzone before, and it is a bit special. I have to say, it is fantastic. Really? Oh yeah, it's like, it's like you know, if you can, it's like a sweet pizza. Do you know what I mean? So it's like a crepe or something almost. Yeah, it's almost like a crepe. Yeah, or, or a pancake, and you just kind of fold it in two and stuff it full of Nutella and, and banana. So um, it's good, man. It is good. It is good. Mm. Um, I, uh, Danny also says all indicators put to the draft uh, to a deep draft, and the Bengals love a draft. But does your gut say they will step far outside of their comfort zone and bulk out the roster with talent and reach for some tier one or two tier free agents, or shop in the pound store as is their historic mo? Oh, I, I really, really like. I think we might get someone like a Derek Wolf style, like top, you know, Derek Wolf. I think on most people's top free agents board would probably be a top hundred free agent. I think we might get one or two. I don't think we're going to get anyone in the top twenty or thirty. I'd, I'd be pleasantly surprised. Well, we shall see. Um, again, we're only sort of a couple of hours into free agency, but um, we're obviously hoping that some news is going to. Uh, to emerge and we all can kind of clap our hands and be slightly excited um, Matt Moon at Matt Moon homemade pizza allowed someone else to choose the toppings salami and apple does actually work but what's wrong with these people <laughs> I and don't what know what pizzas are they having I've never, I've never heard of apple on a pizza in my life and about three geezers are going on about it I know this is I mean apple with salami is a thing you know what I mean that you can have fruit with meat right you can do that I just feel like it tastes like <coughs> cheese and apples you're bound to have cheese on your pizza aren't you and exactly like tomato and apple like just also the apple are you having it hot are you having it cold exactly I don't know I, I couldn't I couldn't do a cheesy apple could you that's what I mean it's like what's wrong with these people <laughs> Uh, Sam Anger at Sam underscore Anger you didn't watch any of the draft and then someone gives you the list of players we've taken I want one player other than Borrow that had put a big smile on your face also which position group would you be happy that we'd taken the most of hope you're well lads oh and he also said a new favourite of mine is a meatball pizza but generally I go with the polo when eating out so he's a chicken on pizza man as well, is our Sam. I, 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 I used to like a bit of chicken on pizza. I don't mind that. I don't mind that. All right. So going back to his question, um, so which which player other than Burrow that you make you happy? I'd be happy with Kenneth Murray from Oklahoma. I think a lot right. of people have been rumoured that he'd be you know could be there at that point. And yeah. I, I desperately think linebacker is a position. If you're going offense first with Burrow, I think that you know you've got you probably get an AJ back, so you're not going to be looking. I don't think necessarily at wide receivers with you know Ross and Boyd available. I think that there's a desperate need at linebacker, and I think he'd be a very strong addition. I agree with you, uh, but I'm going to go Denzel Mims, uh, the wide receiver, Denzel. And also uh, one more player. Uh, he wouldn't play though, somebody. If you've got green, no. But you look, you look, you look ahead for next year. Ross is not going to be there next year. Green might only sign for a. Yeah, you know, who knows? I think there's a lot of uncertainty there at the moment, and getting someone as good, reportedly as Mims, that high, might be a good shout. Um, I'm going for another one. I'm going to go uh, Jeremy Chin, who's become a bit of a favourite of mine. He's a safety, he's an all-action guy can play up in the box, can play deep and looks to be a real playmaker and he's the kind of guy that could sort of transform you know, attitude in the defence um, but yeah, I'm liking him at the moment, oh Chinners, I like him I love it Chin uh, and Mims Chin and Mims, it sounds like some sort of uh, summertime drink double act or something <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> on a seaside pier let's go down <laughs> during the summer um Okay, I think that's about it, really. Uh, thank you once again for uh, getting in touch. Uh, once again, I'm saying absolutely no to pineapple on pizza. Um, thank you for all your correspondence. Uh, we can be reached at Hooday uh, underscore UK on Twitter or Bengals UK on uh, Facebook. I hope you enjoyed the Hugh Jackson interview. We'll be back next week. 
And we're also looking to do a few things. I know things are pretty scary at the moment and a lot of people are going to be, uh, if they're not already, at home, forced to be at home, uh, working from home. Um, we're going to try and sort of, you know, make that a little less daunting, a little less scary, a little less lonely. So, uh, yeah, hopefully we'll kind of roll out some stuff in the next couple of weeks. And, you know, this is what social media is for. Uh, so do get in touch. Talk with other Bengals fans. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on at the moment. In fact, I'm just going to check see if anything's happened since uh, since we've uh, been online because I've been reading out the correspondence. Andy Dalton traded away for four first-round picks to the Miami Dolphins. I mean, I mean, no is the short answer to that. Uh, nothing has happened since we've been on air. Hopefully we'll wake up, those of us in Europe, uh, we'll wake up tomorrow morning and there'll be Corey Littleton becoming a Bengal or something ridiculous. But uh, um, again, thank you so much for listening. Uh, and please do follow uh, instructions from your uh, uh, reputable information sources. Do stay safe out there. And we will speak to you next week. It is a who day from me. And a who day from me. Cheers, guys. And it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organisation.